0: Good morning. Thank you for joining me. Um, I apologize for the uh, for the for the break that I had the past couple of weeks. Um, but for the past two weeks, we've had a couple of guest speakers for our service on Sunday mornings. Uh, so it's been kind of nice for me. It's uh, it's been a little bit of a break, giving me some uh, a chance to, to breathe a little bit. Um, but since we're talking about, um, that Christmas break, um, I want to show you something because for Christmas this year, my wife bought me probably my favorite, probably my favorite hoodie of all time. And I want to show you what it, what it looks like right here. There it is. So for those of you that know me, um, you know that this will not be something unfamiliar to you. Uh, for those of you that are just listening, she bought me a hoodie that says, would you consider yourself to be a good person? Now, again, if you know me very well at all, um, it's, it's almost a joke because of how frequently I, I use this phrase. Um, but after I posted this picture on social media, I received quite a few Um, inquisitive comments and some of you were even unsure of what it meant so i thought that today would be an excellent day for an explanation so for those of you that know me you know that i'm a, a bit abrasive uh i'm a bit outspoken right and for those of you that really know me um then you know that i'm extremely abrasive and outspoken i tend to say what i'm thinking um, You know, and if I don't, most people can tell what I'm thinking just based on my my face. They can read it all over me, right? So now this has gotten me into some trouble uh, from me misusing this quality at times. Uh, thankfully, I'm recovering. But this is also the quality that has allowed me to present the gospel to a few individuals um, that I otherwise wouldn't. And this one phrase on this hoodie has become a taboo topic for all who are employed at the DOT office in joppa alabama at least um and probably some at the gunnersville office um these few words have terrorized many and i'm thankful that i've been able to be a small part of that now that might sound a bit humorous um but uh i'm sure you will understand by the end of this um now, this phrase was so commonplace, this right here that you're looking at, that when I worked there, that if someone was talking about somebody was telling a story, they go, yeah, he's actually a pretty good guy, that all the heads in the truck would immediately turn to me. You know, they'd whip over. And one guy individual, uh, Nate Hopkins, actually said, oh no, don't get him started. You know, so this is not meant to sound as uh, as if I am somehow sanctified or that I've, um, somehow got it all figured out because I absolutely do not. I fail every single day. I miss opportunities daily to present the gospel. Um, especially to those that I know are lost and I am nowhere near being wise in any way. In fact, any wisdom that you hear from me is regurgitated wisdom from someone else, from my peers, not my peers, but my, um, counselors right my mentors but but i i want to be transparent because i still allow sin to dwell within my heart and even worse i sometimes sometimes allow it to flourish i sometimes water that seed so this is by no means an adulation of myself so today i want to share with you what has worked for me in evangelism and what has failed miserably so, um, scripture-wise, I'm kind of be all over the place uh, a little bit today. So just bear with me. Um, I will be reading out of the ESV. I've tended to gravitate towards that. Um, I will have the scripture on the screen, but I'll also read it aloud. Uh, but be sure you fact check me. So, <clears throat> how did this all start? This uh, basically a meme of myself. Well, five years ago, I heard the greatest sermon I've ever heard preached to date titled hell's best kept secret and it was by a man named ray comfort um now that's a fairly common uh name he's, he's pretty well known and renowned in evangelism but if you don't know him again it's ray comfort and the sermon is called hell's best kept secret um this 56 minute video uh, 56 minute oration single handedly transformed my thinking on evangelism it transformed my thinking on um, salvation on uh, bringing people to Christ and how to witness to the lost um, because there are certain methods that that tend to work and I don't mean will guarantee um, salvation I just mean it It works in a sense that I am able to present the gospel so I cannot recommend this teaching enough I cannot recommend this video that sermon enough it's free to download it's completely free to listen to Um, so again it's Hell's Best Kept Secret by Ray Comfort please look that up listen to it Um, now while I won't be completely reiterating this sermon today there are some points from it that i'm going to completely plagiarize um, because of how crucial they are now i when i first heard this sermon i listened to this sermon while i was at work i have probably listened to this one sermon over 50 times and I'm, i'm not exaggerating and i can quote it word for word because i believe it to be that important so if you have heard it before or you have heard of ray comfort before then some of what i'm going to talk about today may be familiar to you but hopefully i can i can uh, bring some experience to the table that might uh, that might help you in some way Um, or perhaps i'll present the gospel in a way you've never heard before um, just like it did me so when trying to witness to someone, or if you're looking for an opportunity to present the gospel to someone, what tends to usually be the most difficult part? It's it's normally breaking the ice, right? It's normal, normally breaking that barrier when it comes um, to eternal things. Now, what I mean is You know how can I approach somebody with the gospel that I know needs to hear it? Because maybe he's talking about the weather and maybe I should turn to him and go, hey, do you want to talk about Jesus, (laughs) right? It's kind of hard to swing that. Um, But being able to swing into that conversation effortlessly from some inconsequential topic to the most important thing in the universe is not uh, something to take lightly. Um, so, how do we normally do this? How, how does how, how do most Christians uh, do this? Well, we do it a few ways, right? The probably the most common is we invite people to church. Um, we want people to hear the gospel, so we're like, I know what I'll do. My preacher can preach the gospel, so I'll invite him to church, and if he comes with me, then he'll hear the gospel, and we'll, you know, we'll be good. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, but so one way is we try to invite people to church you know we tell them that we'll pray for them during a situation they might be going through we might bring our bibles to work so people will see us reading them and maybe they'll ask questions um you know maybe we openly pray before we eat you know i don't mean out loud necessarily but to where others can see us there's tons of other examples Um, but make no mistake there's nothing wrong with any of that all of that it's great if done with the right intention, but what if I told you that there was an easier way? Because for me, there is, um, and it's much more comfortable and much more um, fluid, right? It's easier to make that swing into eternal talking about eternal things. Now, how many of us have heard in casual conversation the words, "Oh, he's he's a good guy." Or, you know, maybe somebody will say something negative about somebody and they'll go, Yeah, but they're they're actually they're actually, I mean, he's he's a really good guy or she's a really good woman or fill in the blank, right? Or how about the world keeps getting worse and worse? Or, you know, people nowadays are crazy. Or I can't believe someone would do something like that. Right now, I work in an environment where I'm surrounded by people pretty much all day and uh a large majority of the day is us sharing stories and things like that when we're talking when we're heading to our work site so this comes up often for me um, but there are many other phrases like this that coincide with these and as soon as you hear that the hook is set now bear with me a minute And allow me to explain why the hook is set with a personal anecdote. Okay, I'm going to tell you the story of a young man named Alan Green um, that I worked with uh, for for several years. So while I was working for the Department of Transportation, I was doing regular maintenance work. We were trimming trees one day um, near the state park in Gunnersville. if you know where that's at. We were coming back down the mountain towards Gunnersville, And the way the operation worked is that we would cut a few limbs down and then we would throw them into a chipper that was being pulled behind a dump truck okay and then after we cut a few limbs down we would move we would just kind of ease down uh, maybe a few feet 20 feet maybe and we would just continue that until we made it all the way down the mountain basically so the reason i'm saying that is because since we weren't going very far my friend alan was driving the truck and um, i'm throwing limbs into the chipper right um so when he would pull forward i would just hop up on the side of the truck so i would have the passenger side window down because it was summer and it was hot you know and he had the air blowing so so i would just hang on to the side of the truck and um ride down there with him well it was getting near the end of the day um and i happened to see on the side of the road a beer bottle and a cigarette butt and i was like ah i'm about to get a cheap laugh because for those of you again that know me you know that i'm a big cheese ball uh so i was like watch this so with my gloves on minded i reach down and i pick up the cigarette butt pick up the beer bottle and as we're about to pull forward i go to jump up on the side of the truck but i threw my arms inside the open window this time so i'm sitting there with a cigarette butt in one hand and a beer bottle in the other now the reason that this got a cheap laugh is because it's so uncharacteristic of me to do either one so alan um busted out laughing you know and um so we just kind of looked at each other giggled whatever that was the end or i thought that was the end of it so about an hour later we hadn't talked at all between this time but about an hour later we were driving the dump truck back to the office and out of the blue he looks at me and he says let me ask you something now, I want to pause there for just a second, because for those of us that have had experience witnessing, you know what's coming next. That phrase normally, normally um, is is a, uh, a leading phrase, right? It's leading into the. Um, a question about the scriptures. So when somebody looks at you and they're serious and they say, let me ask you something, especially if they're not saved or if they don't go to church or they don't claim to be a Christian, that's normally where it goes. So this is one of those trigger phrases. So he says, let me ask you something. I said, okay, shoot. He said, do you think that drinking alcohol makes you a bad person? Now, I overanalyze pretty much everything. So when he asked me this, the first thing I wondered is, why is he asking me? So I had come to the conclusion that most of the time, uh, or I have come to the conclusion that most of the time, someone will not approach you with these things unless you have demonstrated that you actually believe what you confess. So he says, do you think that drinking alcohol makes you a bad person? I sat there for a second, I said no as a matter of fact I know that it doesn't and he said how can you know that it doesn't I said well because Jesus Christ drank wine but then over uh, later in the scriptures it says yet he sinned not right so Jesus drank alcohol and he it was not considered a sin now I explained to him that there's a difference between drinking alcohol and and being drunk with wine but pretty much that that could have been the end of it, right? Had I not been intentionally looking for opportunities and listening to that message over and over and over and having that at the forefront of my mind, I would have missed this one. Because he simply said, oh, okay. Now that could have been the end of that conversation. But because I'd been studying Hell's Best Kept Secret, I then asked him, I turned and I said, do you think it makes you a bad person? And he said, no, I don't. So I then asked him, then what does make someone a bad person? What would you consider uh, a bad person to look like? And he sat there and he thought about it for a minute. Um, Now this next part of the story I'm not making up. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not embellishing for, for uh, the sake of making a point. I want to emphasize that. This is what he actually said. He said, Well, I think that if you're a liar or if the, you steal stuff from people or if the, you cheat on your wife or if you murder somebody, you're probably a pretty bad person. So we both kind of laughed and I said, I completely agree. So I kind of sat there for just a few seconds. Silence. So then I said, so let me ask you this question. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? There it is, right? There's the question that slays the heart of man. And he said, yeah, I would. Now, just to let you know ahead of time, almost no one is ever going to admit that they are a bad person. And if they do, it's either because they're kidding they have done the most heinous things in the world or because they rightly understand who they are but it's rarely the last one um and the scriptures even tell us here uh that there's proof of this proverbs 21 and 2 says every way of a man is right in his own eyes but the lord weighs the heart right so i said would you consider yourself be a good person he said yeah i would so then I said, well, can I ask you a few questions to see if that's true? And He said, sure. And I said, have you ever told a lie? And he kind of looked at me and grinned. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, what do you call someone who tells lies? A liar. And I said, okay, so what are you? And he said, well, I'm not a liar. <laughs> right? And I said, well, how many lies does it take for you to become a liar? is it that you tell 10 lies and after you tell those 10 lies it magically writes it across your forehead to let everybody know that now you're a liar no but you could use the same argument for murder right how many murders does it take to become a murderer isn't it true that if you just if you murder one person you're a murderer so isn't it also true that if you tell one lie then you're a liar he sat there for a second he said yeah i i never thought about it like that um yeah i guess i guess it does mean that i said okay so what are you he said i guess i'm a liar <laughs> you know and i said uh okay question two have you ever stolen something now this is for all of you watching or listening at home if they say no you can simply reply with well how can i believe you because you just told me you're a liar <laughs> right um but he didn't he was he was honest. And uh, he said, uh, I said, have you ever stolen something? And he said, yeah. I said, well, what do you call someone who steals? And he says, a thief. I said, okay, so what are you? And he said, a thief. And I said, no, you're not. You're a lying thief. Now, we both laughed at this. And the reason why I'm telling you this, I'm telling you that we're we're laughing a little bit through this, is because this is so serious that you want to ease into it, right? Um, i what i mean by that is this is what i have found to be the most comfortable because if you're just overly serious all the time unless that's just your personality um it, you might you might catch them off guard but as you're going through these things it's it's important to try to keep things a little bit light at times um you know the times when you can but there are but obviously it's going to get very serious here in a minute um but, so I said, no, you're not. You're a, you're a lying thief. So we laughed. Um, and then I said, okay, okay. I got I got two more for you. He said, okay. <laughs> and he said, I don't like this. where this is going, O'Brien. I said, okay, well, have you ever committed adultery? And he said, no, I love my wife. And I said, okay, well, did you know that Jesus Christ says, That whoever should look at a woman with lust has committed adultery with her in his heart already. So if you've looked at a woman with lust, then you're just as guilty in God's eyes. I said, did you know that? He said, no, I didn't. I said, okay, well, have you ever looked at a woman with lust? He said, yes, I have. I said, okay, I've got one more question. I appreciate you being so patient, so honest with me. Have you ever committed murder? And he goes, okay, that one I know I'm good on. I have never done that. I've never killed anybody. And I said, well, did you know that Jesus Christ also said that everyone who hates his brother is a murderer? And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now, it's important for me to tell you, just like I told him, that hatred does not simply mean that you wish someone was was dead. Now, if you wish someone was dead, clearly you hate them. But the definition for hatred, the actual definition means to consider of no value. So if you ever thought that someone was useless, or if you've ever said, I don't have any use for that person, it's the same thing you consider them of no value, right? When Jesus tells us that our love for him, or excuse me, our love for our parents and our families must look like hatred in comparison to the love we have for him, doesn't mean that it looks like we should wish our spouses and children should to be dead, right? What it means is that our love for him In comparison to the love we have for our families, the love we have for our families should look like we consider it of no value in comparison. That's how much we should love him. So I looked at Alan and I said, so have you ever hated anyone? And he said, yes. I said, now, Alan, I'm not judging you. But you've just told me that you're a lying, thieving, adulterous murderer. And these are the very standards that you set at the beginning of our conversation. And do you realize that those things that you're talking about are all commandments out of the Ten Commandments? And he said, no, I guess I didn't, I didn't realize that. And I said, so you have just admitted to me. I've only asked questions, but you've just confessed that you've broken four of the Ten Commandments. So I've got six other canons pointed straight at you. So if God were to judge you on judgment day, based on the 10 commandments, would you be innocent or guilty? And he said, guilty. And I said, heaven or hell? And he said, heaven. <laughs> there it is. Now, um, this was the first time that I got to kind of use this uh, method. And that one just threw me. And I'm like, how do you get this? How do you get that? And he's like, well, because, you know, I, I've been saved. And I said, how do you know that you've been saved? Well, because, you know, I went to church this one time and I said this prayer and I got went to the altar and cried. So, and um, And now I just try to be a good person. That's what he said. After I just, he had just told me that he wasn't. So after all that, how in the world could someone say that they would get to go to heaven? Well, I want to show you something. Um if you're looking if you're watching on YouTube and you're looking at the screen, there's an actress named Lena Waith I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, she is a self-proclaimed lesbian and Christian okay so she's right here on the screen uh, So how does she reconcile the two? Well, if you look over in her uh, bio um, it actually goes through and it tells you a little bit about her here if you're if you're if you're looking. Um, but for those of you listening, down here in the bottom, it says, Waithe has described her family as, quote, lazy Christians, unquote, and said in 2018, I'm a huge believer in God and Jesus Christ and that God made me and all those things, and I just try to be a good person. I think that's the base of my religion is to be good, is to be honest. Okay, that's the base of of her religion. That's the base of her belief is to be good, is to be a good person. People believe that they are inherently good, and those that believe that show that they do not have a right understanding of the gospel. So for someone to say that and to say they're a Christian is obviously contradictory. Right? You cannot be a, um, a gay Christian just like you cannot be a murdering Christian. Right, You are either a murderer or a Christian. Uh, you cannot be a murdering Christian just like you can't be a lying Christian or fill in the blank. Okay, We are supposed to submit all things to the authority of Christ. So for those people that say those things, that they are somehow both, they don't have a right understanding of the gospel. And many of those people even claim to be Christians, and some of them may be people that you know. They believe that being a Christian is about being good. Now, I was going to include this video clip of The View, but for time's sake, um, I'm I'm just going to tell you about it. Uh, Raven Simone, for those of you that know, she she was on The View one day with um, Candace Cameron, um, and they were basically condemning these people for not... um, for, for some billboard that went up about christmas and um raven simone said well i don't understand what the big deal is because all all religions are the, are basically the same they have the same foundation it's to be good thankfully candace cameron spoke up and we have people like her that will speak up and speak out and say no that is where christianity is different from all other religions because it's not about us being good Our goodness has nothing to do with it. It's about God's goodness. It's about God's righteousness. And it's when we know that we are not good, then it brings us to the foot of the cross. It's because we are not good that it is merciful. It's because we are not good that God had to sacrifice himself. It is because we are not good that we are unworthy to pay the price that's owed. So this is so serious because those that believe this have, been, pre- uh, or have yes, been preached a false gospel, right? Someone has preached to them a false gospel. And in turn, they have now believed and trusted in a false version of Jesus Christ. This is not the same Jesus Christ of the Bible. This point of view is literally the foundation of the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormon faith. Please don't take my word for it. Go look it up. Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormon faith is based on your goodness and your works and how you can be good enough to inherit the kingdom of God. That is not Christianity. And people that say they are Christians, but then also claim that their religion is based on their goodness, are not Christians. Let's look um, you know at what the Bible says about our goodness. Let's look at what the truth says. Psalm 14 1 through 3. It says the fool says in his heart there is no god. They are corrupt. They do abom- aboma- I can't even get that word out. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see If there are any who understand, who seek after God, they have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not even one. Then, you know, well, that's just one passage, if that's not enough. Romans 3, 9 through 20. It says, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written, none is righteous, no not one, no one understands, no one seeks for God, all have turned aside, all uh, excuse me, to all have together they have become worthless, no one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave, they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. the knowledge of sin. What about John 3? Well, you know, I, I hear this. Well, Jesus didn't speak on this. Yes, he did. John 3 3. For these people that you know that are quote unquote Christians, ask them if they've been born again. Because Jesus says in John 3 3, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. One more passage first corinthians chapter uh chapter six verses nine through 11 it says or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of god now this is the passage that i use most of the time when i'm using this method because listen to what it says do not be deceived neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor uh, revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. He covers it all right here, and there's tons of other passages that you can use that fits all of these different types of sinners—not just sin, but sinners, right? Because people say, "Well, God loves the sinner, hates the sin." Really, because it says here, not that the that the lie will not inherit, not that the 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 um, homosexual way of thinking but the homosexual the adulterers the thieves the drunkards the greedy these people will not inherit the kingdom of God so people think that it is their goodness that will save them when in reality it is their goodness that will condemn them because they think they are good But the scriptures say very plainly that we are not. So they are not trusting in Christ. They are trusting in themselves. Now, when I shared this with Alan, he finally understood. He understood that we are utterly depraved, we are utterly helpless. It's because we are so depraved of anything that is good that we must have an intercessor, intercessor. We need an intercessor. It's, it's what would be required. So do you remember what Jesus Christ said on the cross right before he gave up his spirit? Right here, John 19 30 says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit It is finished. That's the last thing he said. Now that seems like an odd thing to say as your last words unless you understand what he was truly saying. You see, you and I have broken God's law, the moral law, which is the Ten Commandments. We are now transgressors of the law. We are lawbreakers. And we have accrued a debt that we cannot pay because it must be paid in righteousness, of which we have none. So God saw us, sinners, full of unrighteousness, full of ungodliness, and foreknew before the creation of all things that we were utterly helpless. It is because God is rich in mercy that his perfect plan from the beginning was to humble himself himself. To become flesh and to become a man and to live the sinless life that you or I never could, also that he could be the perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice sufficient to satisfy God's wrath that we have stored up for ourselves. He willingly gave up his life. He was beaten, he was mocked, he was humiliated. By the very people that he was sent there to save. He then went to the cross willingly and sacrificed himself for us, and he said, It is finished. Or the debt has been paid, and it's been paid in full. It, was, it, it, it wasn't that he merely died for our sins, right? It, it, if, if it was just that he, that he died, that's not sufficient. You know that, that seems horrible enough, but the true horror was that he bore the weight of our sins on that cross and he was crushed under the weight of God's wrath. The, the wrath that we stored up for ourselves, he allowed to be poured on himself. And it says he drank that cup down to the dregs. There was not a drop left. And then the scriptures tell us that it pleased God to crush him. Now how could it please God to crush his only son? Because it was only through this that we might be reconciled back to him. Not because we deserve it. Not because we've earned it through our good works. But because he loves us that much. He loves us so much. right? We we hear God is love, and He is. He's so full of love. And we hear God is just, and He is. And He's so full of justice. He's so full of love and justice that we see both of those things unified on the cross. We see God's love and God's justice unified on the cross. It is because Jesus paid our fine. So when we broke God's law, we now accrued that debt and we can't pay it. But Jesus can legally now pay the fine for us. And he can now legally, through righteousness, justly dismiss our case. He can say, your fine has been paid. Praise God. Now, once someone truly understands this, they must respond to the truth of the gospel to either accept it as truth or to reject it. Now, as I have matured in my faith, I have begun to realize that salvation is less of a decision and more of an understanding. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you don't submit to him. I'm not saying that you you finally submit your life to him. That's not what I'm saying. But as I've matured, I've realized that those who are truly saved then have a right understanding of who God is and who they are and what he's done for us. So it's less about saying yes to the right questions, and it's more about understanding and accepting that the God of the universe and the God of the Bible are one and the same, and that everything the Bible tells me about him is true, whether I like it or not. Now, am I saying that we shouldn't ask them whether they want to accept it or whether they believe it or not? Certainly not. I'm telling you that you will be able to tell pretty quickly whether their confession of faith is true and genuine through their works. Now, are they going to change overnight and not sin ever again? No. Okay, and, and Unless they die right then and there. And that could be merciful. But... No, that's not what I'm saying, because as they walk through this earth, they will pick up the dirt of the earth, which is sin, and they will have to be repent and slowly be sanctified just like we are. But, or however, there are some things that must change immediately. There are some things they must cease immediately, right? They're living with their girlfriend, and I say, you want to accept this? Yes. So you now believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of the universe, and you want to obey this and submit to him yes when you're moving out of your girlfriend's apartment oh I can't do that see what I'm saying now that's just one example but that's, that's one I've had to deal with But there are some things that should change immediately there are some things they can change immediately but there are some habitual things that are going to take some time it's going to take some counsel it's going to take some mentoring right going to take some brotherly love and some brotherly rebuke to purge those things now after telling all of this to Alan he wanted me to pray with him unfortunately he now lives a life of carnality um, I haven't talked to him in a while um, but I did work with him a little while after that. And he told me one day, he's like, you know, that day I said, yeah, he said, nothing, you know, nothing really changed. And I said, why didn't it? Who didn't change? And he said, I just don't think I've really repented of your sins. I said, I don't think you did either. And he kind of looked at me and I, I said, but you're not going to now either are you he said no i just i just love my sin too much and at least he was honest right um so y'all um please pray for him you know he he wanted a savior without a lord which all of us to an extent did or do right it'd be great in our eyes and man's eyes it's going to come across the wrong way but you know what i'm hopefully you understand what i'm saying it would be great for the flesh if we could be saved and nothing have to change about us. But we know that that cannot be. That God says that he who he begins a good work in, he will complete. My point is this. That without true repentance, there can be no salvation. I'm telling you this today. For a few reasons firstly because maybe no one ever has maybe you've never heard jesus christ represented this way and if not i beckon you to open your bibles read it don't listen to me don't just listen to anybody else um you know don't listen to what we say about who jesus is But if you believe God cannot lie, then go to his word and let him tell you who he is. Now, secondly, the reason I'm telling you this today is to equip you and to encourage you. Witnessing is hard. Uh, It's uncomfortable. Um, I know it's unpleasant. I know it's unpleasant and uncomfortable to talk about these things. Um, It's really awkward if you still have to work with a guy and you're in the truck with him by yourself for the next four hours Um, that's really awkward Um, so I know it's unpleasant but it is also unpleasant for a patient to sit with a doctor to talk about a terminal illness but if there's a cure then there is joy so if you truly love someone then you will tell them the truth no matter the cost now there is is an easy way to do it right right there is an easy way to do it just ask them a few questions you don't have to know the quran or what mormons believe or the scientologists now i will say it certainly helps okay yeah it helps to know you uh, it, it never helps to be dumber <laughs> right i heard somebody say that on a podcast and i love it um so It is good to know those things, but it's not required in order to preach the gospel to someone and speak to their conscience, right? We know, we know that there is a creator because we see creation, right? And the creator has put his trademark on us, just like you would see on any product, but that trademark he has on us is our conscience. So walk them through this good person test walk them through the Ten Commandments and ask them a few simple questions and they will ultimately condemn themselves by finally telling the truth. Now, once the individual understands they are utterly lost, then and only then will they run to the Savior and cling to Him forever. And lastly, I'm telling you this because I must. This is my calling. When the psalmist said, My cup runs over, that's exactly what's happened to me. God has filled me, and this is the overflow. This that you see is the overflow. When I'm explaining this to people, and a few people I work with are like, You always have to bring this up. I'm like, I do. I do always have to. I do because I must. You know, somebody was joking about me and uh, Cameron Fittinger. You know, me and Cameron are good friends. We're brothers. And uh, we all, I mean, we'll joke around about whatever. Share office memes or whatever. But somehow our conversation always ends up back at the scriptures. It's because it has to. It's its not just, you know, a hobby of ours. It's who we are. And we are unified in that thing and, and not really much else. You know, we have very different lives. But in this, we're not just, I mean, we are unified. So when I tell people, you know, and they say, why are you telling me this? I'm telling you because I have to. You know, I know people say, oh, well, you know, God spoke to me and wanted me to give you this message or whatever. And most of the time, it's just they wanted to. But I am compelled. I have a sense of urgency to tell the world and specifically to tell people in the southern part of the United States and the Bible Belt, those who claim to be saved and born again and yet live a life of carnality to show them through the truth of the scriptures if they truly are or aren't. Not to tell them, but to show them. God has filled me and this is the overflow. I am now compelled tell the world of his glory and i hope that everyone around me is a casualty it's because i love you that i must tell you now i pray truly pray that this message does not fall on deaf ears that if you've never heard the gospel before that you would hear this know that i care about you because if you're watching this i probably know you on a personal level and i love you and i want you to know the truth i want you to understand the truth i want you to understand who god is who you are and what he's done for you and why but i pray that if you do if you have been saved you have been born again and, and you struggle with presenting this to others, that uh, this will be a big help. Um, feel free to call me, text me, email me, whatever, uh, any questions. I've got plenty of um, examples for when the, these uh, this method has worked and when it's not. I say worked, you know. Um, uh, what I mean is been able to present the gospel clearly but I do want to explain one more thing to you before we go. And that is that this, um, this is not a, like a cookie cutter method, right? This is a simple method that you will have to make adjustments on the fly with the individual. Um, but it won't fall on deaf ears. Um, and, there will be those that just absolutely reject it um so the reason i want to tell you this is because in the time i've been able to present this uh, present the gospel in a clear and concise way uh to lost people i would say uh, i've said this before i have made tw- over 20 decisions either for or against christ now what i mean is right is that People have either accepted him or rejected him. Now, those that said yes, it's, and that, that, that ratio is about 50-50. About 50, 50% of people say, yes, I want to receive the gift of salvation. Um, uh, I submit to God's authority, and and you know we've cried and prayed. and um, But out of that half, so let's say 10 out of 20, the, those who have truly, truly, truly repented and are now living a lifestyle that that they're tr- clearly trying to glorify Christ in all of their ways and deeds and thoughts and words, it's probably two. Um, but that doesn't discourage me, right? It actually encourages me. It means I still got work to do, and it means there's two other people out there that know who God is, that understand who He is, and that now they're willing to go tell someone else about um so don't be discouraged um right as paul says run the uh, fight the good fight and run the good race so with that um i appreciate you joining me this week i know it's been a little bit of a longer uh, lesson sermon whatever you want to call it please check out those references and um i will see you guys here next week let's pray Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've given us. Thank you for your word and your truth. Thank you that it cut me like a, like a sword. Thank you that it cut my heart, Father, and it revealed to me who I truly am. Just like the light reveals the dust. Father, the light doesn't make the dust. It only reveals what's actually there, and that's what your word has done for me. I've hidden and uh, hidden the truth and lied to myself time and time again. who I truly am and my goodness but your word your truth is light and that light has revealed that I am in desperate need of you father forgive me for my unfaithfulness help me to be bold help me to be courageous in front of this terrifying world help me to get uncomfortable and to be to get comfortable being uncomfortable for your name's sake I love you and I thank you and I praise you in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.